I think we're susceptible because we like to feel good. And, you know, when we enjoy things that we like, whether it be food things or, you know, chemical things or sex things or whatever, it's like there's this endorphin rush and endorphins feel good. And we like to feel good. And we create the pathways in our brain that say, hey, do that again. And of course, the brain adjusts. So we got to up the ante a little bit. Um, and on and on we go. So it's a brain thing. Next topic. You're welcome. Welcome to episode 114 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. Speaking of good brews, wait, hang on. I'm rusty. We took a couple weeks off. Sorry. <laughs> Nails it. You, you were good. <laughs> Me. Just shake the rust off. Shake it off. Shake it off. All right. So, speaking of uh, good brews and showing some love for us, uh, please, we invite you to become a supporter on Patreon. There's a lot of different levels that you can get in on to help support us, keep the show rolling, cover some expenses. Uh, past the initial level, you also have access to some uh, extended interviews. We got a couple up right now. So please become a sponsor. I'm trying to check to see if we have any new ones that came in over the holidays. Well, why you had, look that up? Had, what two weeks to prepare for the show we we only had two weeks to prepare um, we weren't really doing anything else those three pastors in those several we were, weeks we, were yeah, we, do, we do nothing around the holidays we don't really do much around the holidays no, not at all um it oh. appears that we are still holding consistent with our our forwards derek joe julie paula and sean thank you very much you could be time. the first patreon of 2019 ooh 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 you, you could you could be the first one so you can join our conversation on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using the hashtag PTLive. Follow at Pub Theology on those platforms. Check out video clips from the show on IGTV. Watch us on YouTube. We're just everywhere. Um, you can also call us and leave us a voicemail, 980-PT-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830 or email us at info at pubtheology.com. Any, any word out there for us would be much appreciated. Indeed. Well, today we discuss why are humans so susceptible to addictions? So it's at least a three beer episode. Um, that wasn't appropriate. Also, are churches or religious institutions helpful in guiding people to find a healthy way to manage or be freed from addiction? And could there be such a thing as a positive addiction? Is addiction, we tend to think of addiction as a negative connotation. Are there some things we could be addicted to that are good for us or healthy? We will discuss. 
So welcome back, friends. Happy New Year. And what are we drinking today? Um, I got I got a story around my beer. Um, I'm drinking a, a Hefeweizen beer from Weihensteppner. I can't speak German. What does that say? Brapacht. It is a collaboration between Weihensteppner and Sierra Nevada. Anyways, I get home from work today open my fridge and realize there's no beer. Now, this could be anybody's fault. And by anybody's, I mean mine. Um, and I think we were out. So I ran down to the corner store to get beer. And I noticed this in the cooler. It's a pint bottle. And all the other pint bottles are, you know, priced what pint bottles usually are. And this one was priced $1.99. So I'm thinking, what? this is a mislabel. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, but... It looks like a beer I've never had. I want to try it. So I bring it up to the register and I say to the dude, hey, I uh, just want to bring this to your attention. This is mislabeled in the thing is one name. He goes, no, it's not mislabeled. That's the right price. And I was like, duh. He goes, you know, it's one of those like distributor specials or something. So they send us a bunch and they're one ninety nine. He says, would you like to buy it? I said, no, I'm going to buy all four that you got. All of them. <laughs> I'm going to buy every beer that you oh, have of them. Hold that thought. <laughs> so if you're if you're doing the math, that's four pints of beer for under ten bucks. This better be good because I got four of them. Sweet. <laughs> Boom. Let us know. Well, you know, if you don't like it, we can pass it around. There you go. Um, so I'm actually. So we got a few really good fun beers. Um, we got the Game of Thrones series for Christmas. And oh I'm my game. One today. Yeah, um, but maybe I'll drink one on the show soon. I'm drinking actually our hundredth anniversary show or our hundredth show beer. I'm drinking um, Mr. Trash Wheels Lost Python Ale. Woo! I don't know if you all remember. Mr. I do Trash remember. Wheels. Never forget. Um, he's my. It's my favorite um, reading of a beer, so I have to read it. Mr. Trash Wheel is sustainably powered, garbage guzzling engineer marvel. He's eaten hundreds of tons of trash of Baltimore's inner harbor and once ate a friendly but disoriented python. Lost Python Ale is a tribute to the unexpected friends who can wiggle their way into our hearts when we filter through the garbage life sends us. So, happy new year, everyone. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, I am drinking... uh... A mango gold tart wheat ale from the Mitten Brewing Company. Not had this before. It, uh, let's see. A mango tart ale. A sessionable wheat ale with tart and sweet mango flavors that taste like summer. It's not just a beer, it's a season. Well, it is unseasonably warm for January, so maybe it's okay. That sounds delicious, Brian. Sounds sounds like something right up my alley. I was going to say, why are you drinking? (laughs) (laughs) I expect Ogan to give me beer suggestions. I don't always expect. Because it wasn't on sale for $1.99 at at my store today. It wasn't on sale for $1.99. Cheers. Nicely done. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. So this is nice. It's got a a nice little teeny, teeny, wincy little hoppy aftertaste, which, you know, I'm not a hoppy beer fan, but it's, it's just enough for me. Oh, so it's Just got a nice little bite to it. Look at that golden color. I mean, good God, look at this thing. Yeah. Look hey. at that. Ooh, we're competing on the golden. Yeah, cheers to everyone All on the podcast that cannot see our colored beers. <laughs> <laughs> I do forget this is an audio show sometimes. I think sure. things are look for those only listening, things are looking golden. Which kind of reminds, I mean, you know, opening my beer just brought me actually to our first question of like, 
happy hour is kind of my favorite time of the day. So the yeah. moment I come home and open my beer and there you go, you know, drink it up. Yeah. So what is your favorite time of day? Uh, Shannon says maybe happy hour. I was going to say right now. Right. <laughs> beer yeah. o'clock is my favorite time of day. <laughs> I'm, I'm like a, I think like a late afternoon. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, like right, right, right after lunch before, like if it's not a lar- large lunch and the sleepies haven't kicked in, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm not a morning person. And I got to tell y'all, the older I'm getting, the earlier I fade at night now. Like it used, used to be a night owl. And now like at 1030, I'm like, right. oh, it's bedtime yeah. yet. Kind of deal. So that late afternoon window like like two three o'clock that's that's golden time right there. i don't know two o'clock no, I am my is most not productive. late afternoon just for technicalities what is what what would you call that i to call it still early afternoon two o'clock yeah that's well that's just afternoon yeah it's a, yeah okay I'm late afternoon is like four so see okay so this is a cultural thing then because growing up in the caribbean you know, sun sunset hits like around five five thirty. Is the sun's going down, and as soon as it starts to get dark for us, it's evening. So we got to back up everything. So afternoon for me is like two three, because then like like four going five. That's what we call evening. As soon as it gets dark, it's nighttime. But yeah, I dark think is late. Like, you know, five. I think of late afternoon between like four and five thirty. Okay. Yes, I agree. I'm, I'm yeah. good then too. I mean, because evening is six p.m. and on, like that's evening, right? You know. Now my most productive time of the day is like ten to twelve. Yeah, ten to twelve, ten to one. That yes. that late morning yep. time. Oh my god, I get so much done, and then like no. later, later, I'm just like it takes me four times as long to do the same amount of things. Yeah, yeah seven to no. ten is the are we having another day? Like, you know, trying to wake up, trying to get myself, get the caffeine in. Yeah. That's the, that's wake up time. Yeah, that's the wake like up between eight and 10 is like just continuous. Where's my coffee mug and <laughs> you know, whatever. And yeah. while I do other things, but where's my coffee mug, you know, and then, exactly. I mean, I'm still, you know, I was still drinking coffee before I left work, but you know, it's, it slowly goes, I actually have, so at work, I have a Keurig in my office. I mean, we do like fancy, you know, snotty, not snotty, but snooty, you know, coffee at home, but highbrow coffee, you know, um, but at work, I just have a Keurig right next to my, on my desk. You have, you have a, so it starts you have out an with IV the, drip from the I would love one. I really would. But I, I have the, uh, I have the talk about addictions. I mean, really like people at church make fun of me for this. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like if I am genuinely addicted to something, it is caffeine for real. I'm, I mean, I, I can't go a day without it. I have complete withdrawal symptoms. You know, I really can't wake up without it. And I start so as I get to work, I've had one to two really good high test cups at home. I start with the full caffeinated and then around one or two, I switch to half calf. And then if I still want coffee after three, then I'm at three o'clock. So my like caffeine, I have to stop or I won't. Caffeine my, heart would ex- yeah. my heart yeah. would explode. No, I'm, I mean, I'm a good five cups a day. Woo. At least. 
that's yeah that's incredible it's a lot that is, that is a lot. <laughs> you wonder how I have so much energy. <laughs> it is um, 100%. I mean, depending on what you call a cup of coffee, like if you're talking like a normal size coffee mug, I'm probably four to five cups also a day of that. Well, so, so normal. Okay. So this, I actually read a study about this recently about how much coffee we drink as Americans yes. because a normal cup of coffee used to be like what, what I call a diner cup. Yeah. It's five ounces right? Hello. Like my coffee mug is at least 10 to 12 ounces. Yeah. But I'm not talking about a travel mug that's 20 ounces. Right. So my coffee, my, when I say cup is like 10 ounces of coffee. Okay. Like, a, like what I would consider a modern day mug size. Yeah. That's, my, my mug yeah. is maybe a 12, 12 ouncer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But five of those is still a lot. <laughs> so I don't do five of those. I, I was thinking that holds like what I might call two normal cups. So I was, I do two of my 12 ounces and maybe a half, two and a half. So. Well, so we have a four cup French press that pours two mugs for us. Right. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's what they would consider a four cup that we, we turn. So yes, you're right that that's two, but at work, it really is like eight ounces because it's the Keurig. So it's like eight ounces of coffee. So it's, when I say five, like I had three Keurig cups today and only had one at home. So it's maybe not as much as I'm saying it is, but I do. I drink a lot of coffee. Um, I, I have started drinking a coffee alternative because as a, as a uh, uh, middle-aged guy with high blood pressure, my cardiologist has said, yeah, you don't need caffeine because your heart literally would explode. So, uh, so my, my alternative, I just try, I started trying, it's something called mud water. Now the 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 name itself sounds delicious, Ogan. No, that's the great Shannon. That's the right face because I, I, you know, we're an audio podcast. Go go see it just for the face that she made because because that was kind of the face I made when I first tasted it. Um, they, it's it like was, when people are like, "I'm drinking coconut water." It was I'm like appropriately named, but it's got good stuff in it. We got cacao. We got we got chai. We got turmeric. Uh, cinnamon. Ooh. Some uh, some some good stuff in it. Is All there right. any chicory in it? Um, no, that's where you're that's missing a, out. Uh, I don't know. Cinnamon. We got some. Are other you stuff. just drinking tea then? Pretty, pretty much in, in a lot of ways, but not, not really. Here's okay. what's, here's what has made it drinkable for me. You ready for this? And I recommend this to coffee drinkers as well. Almond a little milk. honey and a little mm. butter. Ooh, yeah. Money. Yes. Try butter. I can't in your do coffee. the butter in the coffee. Oh I my can't God, do so it. Good. You know what I've been doing is a little coconut oil in the coffee. Really? Like a bulletproof style coffee. But do you sweeten it normally anyway? I put a little um, half and half or over the holidays, we had some extra heavy whipping cream sitting around. I just want to say you put heavy whipping cream in your coffee and you are in a good place. I was putting eggnog. uh, Eggnog. When I went went to visit in uh, Sarah's family over the holidays, they're big coffee drinkers and... Uh, you know, peer pressure, and I didn't want to feel left out. I wanted to be loved and accepted. Um, so I was doing some coffee as well, and and they had eggnog. So lots of eggnog went nice. in the coffee, and that, that did it. But butter, man, I used to think that was weird too. It's really good. It's good. I haven't tried I will, it. I, I'll fully admit that I haven't had it. I fully, fully acknowledge that and admit that. But I, I kind of don't want to. You know, it's one of those, like, I don't want to like it, so I'm not going to try it. I think Everything I would like it, butter. so that is a problem. Right. So I, that's why I'm like, I, I know I would love it. So I'm not going to do it. Well, I'm going to challenge you guys at least one cup between now and the next show. 
all right yeah put, put you know put like a table table start with half a tablespoon Are you trying to kill it. me faster is that what's happening <laughs> Like Butter's Derek good got me you. an air fryer for Christmas. And I'm like, are you trying to like make our lives shorter? Which for him, I uh, probably. But no, isn't, isn't air fryer yeah. supposed to be better because you know, the thing's not submerged and yeah. absorbing all the oil? Yes, absolutely. But like, mm. I don't have a regular fryer because I'm not allowed to own such a thing. Right. So butter, butter is supposedly not as bad for you as people used to say it was. So, well, anyway, we've know. made several fries and I've made some shrimp and it's we're, delicious. We're speaking about addictions and I can tell you I'm addicted to butter and bacon. Like those are the two things. That oh, okay. So yeah, good. let's get into it. Our, we've already tiptoed on it, but the, our yeah. question is why are humans so susceptible to addictions? We've already hit coffee. Ogan, you just said bacon and what? Butter. Butter. Butter, yeah. Butter. And, and I'll, to be fair, to be fair, uh, I'm, we're using the word addiction tongue-in-cheek, at least for me in the bacon I was and butter. Say, yeah. You guys in the coffee, maybe it's a real thing. I don't know. But, um, but, but for me, it's, I would say, a really, really strong like and desire for. And, you know, I don't have it. I miss it. But, but there's not that, like, psychological or chemical addiction so, you know, I don't want to make light of the word as we're talking. So for, co- I mean, the thing that, yeah. the thing that tells me is I genuinely have an addiction to coffee is that I have withdrawal symptoms of it Right. when I do not have it. So there is a physical dependency on it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Yes, it does. Agreed. Um, but, I, but I, I think we're susceptible because we like to feel good and, you know, when we enjoy things that we like, whether it be food things or, you know, chemical things or sex things or whatever, it's like there's this endorphin rush and endorphins feel good and we like to feel good. And we create the pathways in our brain that say, hey, do that again. And of course, the brain adjusts. So we got to up the ante a little bit um, and on and on we go. So it's a brain thing. Next topic. You're welcome. I, no, I mean, I think, I think that's right. You know, I think we do, we want to feel good. We also want to feel something or maybe we don't want to feel something. Right. So right. I think there's a couple levels. I think depending on um, what's happening in our lives, uh, addictions can be escapes and we're trying to numb feelings that we don't want to have, or we're trying to, as you said, we enjoy the feeling or sensation uh, from eating, drinking, whatever it is that we might be addicted to, um, sex. And, and so we are become compulsory about it in an unhealthy way. Yeah. But how do you know when you've crossed the line into addiction versus um, what you noted is just like a strong preference for, or, you know, I really like bacon, but if we all, you know, if bacon became unavailable in the Northeast for the next two years, you'd survive. No, I'd move. <laughs> well, right. But, but so my, my internet cut out, so I'm not sure how much you heard, but I was talking about like my genuine addiction to coffee. And the reason why I call it a genuine addiction is because I, I have physical withdrawal symptoms. Yeah. That yeah, I, we heard, yeah, we heard you, you say heard that. that. Okay, great. Yep. So that's where for me, in terms of a substance, I actually do I don't, I don't have that with alcohol. I don't think that has to be your only criteria, but if I don't, if I go a week or a month or a year, even without alcohol, I don't have withdrawal symptoms. Now is that hypothetical or? 
I've gone a day and a week and a month before. (laughs) You threw the word year out there. I'm like, that sounds really hypothetical. (laughs) You know, I'm. Now, are you calling it a month as 30 consecutive days or just 30 random days that you just. No, I I have, I have, you know, I have done 30 consecutive days without drinking. Now, it was a countdown and I did it intentionally, but still. Also, you were 14, so I mean, that was. It counts. I was going to say, like, you know, when I, I, I didn't actually drink till like regularly till I was in my mid-20s. Yeah. And um, it, it hasn't been an everyday thing for me until like really like adulthood set in and work and kids and the like coming home. You know, I mean, as much as we joke about it, the realness of the routine of coming home and exhaling and opening a beer or a glass of wine or something like yeah. it. And yeah. You know, to me, some people, some people do, um, I mean, we do joke about it in the terms of like, God, I need a beer right now. But like, that's, that's not a need for me. Like, I'm not going to go through a withdrawal. Like, I want it. I want the routine. I want the feeling. But if someone made me a nice cup of tea at that point, I would get that same, you know, like, I could switch my routine up. Does that make sense? Like, yep. I could it does, do it does, but tea has never done for me what a beer does for me, so I don't know about that. No, but I <laughs> I, I think that there's a ritual to it that's more right. than the drink itself. Yes. Agreed. Right? Agreed. So yeah. you need you need to be able to replace it with something. If you feel like you're hitting a, a place of 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 consuming too much of let's say beer, for example, to be able to say, well, I would like to have a drink of something while I'm doing this activity, putting my feet up, watching a show. Mm-hmm whatever. So if it's a cup of tea or a V8 or whatever it is, uh, right. There you go. So, you know, for example, I've been, we've been sick a lot the last couple of months. Like it's, it's not getting cold enough and it's really, really rainy here. So there's just tons of mold and I haven't been feeling that great. So I haven't been coming home and omitting a beer because I'm too tired. You know, I'm sick yeah. and I'm just kind of tired and I broke my routine without any, it, uh, without any problem. You know, it wasn't a, it wasn't an no issue. Wonder, no wonder you were so looking forward to the show. I'm I mean, <laughs> it wasn't about us. It really wasn't. It was just I just want my beer. Now <laughs> you know I think I think I could probably well not probably I I could drink too much if I let myself, but I yeah. I, I have a, I have a conscious awareness of you know I need to take a, a couple days plus so in a row and, and just have that cup of tea or, right. or, you know, or a look. But I think it's really important to acknowledge that like a lot of things we do talk about, the three of us are talking about this and we don't have an alcohol addiction or a drug abuse problem, you know, like, well, well, or do well, we? well, no, we, 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 you don't have to confess. It's, you know, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not confessing, but just I'm saying I got to a point where I was at the crossroads of that. And I, and, and because for me as a, as a person who kind of has a, 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 I guess a fairly strong willpower of, you know, if I want to do something, I'll do it. If I don't want to do it, I don't, I won't do it. Yeah. But part of how I started to really cope with my grief, um, mm-hmm. the few months leading up to Jennifer's passing and then, maybe most of the year afterwards there was there was a lot of alcohol consumption yeah and i remember the day when i uh something had come up i don't remember what it was but i realized i wasn't going to be able to have a beer and and i, and I didn't think much of it 
But then I remember like, like nine, 10 o'clock that night, I felt like, yeah. Like I needed to like injure somebody. I needed to go out. I like, if I didn't get a drink right now, mm-hmm. I would like, I was going to lose my mind. Like it was bad, wow. you know? And when that happened, all of a sudden, you know, there's a light that went off. I was like, Oh, Oh, this is, this is how it happens. This is how you get to that point. And I would gone out. I don't know what have, what would have happened if I'd gone out and gotten a few drinks. Cause I probably then would have, done the same thing the next night and the next night and the next night so i was at that that crossroad point and for me to go back to something brian said earlier for me the drinking was about numbing the pain numbing you know trying to not feel the intensity of emotions and it was weird because at the same time i was very 100 percent aware that the only way to handle the grief i was feeling was to feel it and and let let it do its thing with me, whatever it was, and and you know I was also preaching about it, but feeling the fullness of it, right? You know, and at the same time, you know, drinking a lot to to numb it. Um, so so no, I I, I kind of understand it. I kind of I kind of get it. I kind of get how people get hooked on opioids, both to feel something and to and to numb numb Stop feeling intense things. chronic physical pain. And and then then you become hooked. So yeah, just want to share that piece of it. No, and and honestly, like you know, when I say like I've stopped drinking for a period of days, like I had the same thing. You know, after the divorce, the days that I didn't have the kids, I didn't know what to do with myself. Right. And I didn't. I was sad and I was angry and I didn't want to feel that way and I didn't want to feel those feelings. And I was alone and I had no responsibility and yeah. I wasn't used to that at all. And and I would drink to pass out. I would drink until like, until I would pass out so that I didn't do anything else, you know, like yeah. I didn't self harm or I didn't. And I, you know, I joked about it with my therapist, not because it was funny, but to say like, it was almost like substance control. Cause I was going, you know, I was in a real place of, I was in a deep depression in a real place of self harm. And that was my way of coping with not self harming was if I could just get to tomorrow, you know, tomorrow I have things to do and tomorrow, whatever. So I'm just going to sit here and drink a whole bunch and then I'm going to pass out and fall asleep and then it'll be tomorrow. And, and it was, it was a bad routine that I thankfully did get out of and didn't self harm, but it was very difficult. It was a very difficult time and process. And it's so easy to get there. Like it is. Yeah. And there was a long, I mean, I went three months. I was like, I, I have, you know, I got, help. And I, I went three months without drinking. And when I started drinking again, I, you know, I really asked those important questions of like, Mm. is this an addiction? Is this, you know, all of those kind of things. And, um, because I do, there is a history in my family and, um, I went back, I had a rule in college of, um, because just because so many people in college and, and early your mid twenties are just irresponsible. And I didn't Mm -hmm. want, to ever drink and drive. And I didn't, you know, just those kind of things. And, and I would set a rule for myself that I could have two drinks. Um, and if it was a special occasion, right. I could have three drinks or like, so if I wasn't driving or whatever, I could have three drinks. And I went back to that rule and like, can I, can I abide by this? Can I live by this? Right. And I could, and you know, and there were days that I didn't drink and I was like, Oh, look at that. Huh? That did, you know, so it just, it, it got back to normal, but 
yeah, I had to make that effort. For sure. I think one thing I've said is that I enjoy um, drinking too much to become an alcoholic <laughs> because I know right. <laughs> I know I would have to give it up. Yeah. Right. It's like I, I think really, there's some truth to that. I really enjoy uh, a good beer, and I like the variety of styles, and it's interesting to me to try that. And I and I like a good glass of wine, or or a good uh, whiskey. But I also know that if I went all in and, and was, had no self-control, that that would have serious mm-hmm. consequences on my family, my life, and I'd probably have to say goodbye to those things I enjoy. So I, I'm consciously in moderation. But that's where I just so want to be careful that. to say a real substance abuse problem, right, isn't just uh, losing self-control, right? Mm. There is a chemical difference of I, I – it like people that are addicted to um, drugs or people that are addicted to a substance, there isn't just a self-control issue. I mean, even when we talk about our caffeine, even when we talk about our drinking, like it's not only about self-control. It's, there are certain things you can't will. There's a chemical difference. And and ultimately all all addiction is chemical, even, even, even non-substance things that you take in so even you know like like sex and even porn because of mm-hmm. the, the the like i mentioned before the chemical endorphin rush in the brain you know that's that it, it becomes an internal chemical addiction um, mm-hmm. if you will so so it's it's all about that and and it and it needs to become about about recreating the pathways um re- realizing you know i'm using this or, 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 or why I'm using this, how can I, um, how can I substitute it with something else? So for me, it was about, okay, great. I'm using, I'm not great, but the realization, Hey, this is, this is, this is me trying to avoid my grief. Right. What, right. what am and I, I actually need to feel this? And, right. And part of it was, yeah. was, was me not being ready to face it. Part of it was about um, knowing that if I faced it or not, if I faced it, when I faced it, I don't, I, I, I still got to get up, go to work, provide for my daughter. And I didn't trust that there wasn't going to be like, this is just like massive breakdown. So let me, you know, avoid it for a little bit and and get life established because, because the true grief work didn't happen until a year later. By then we, we moved, you know, work was established. Joy was, was, you know, reestablished and kind of in a, in a better place. And then I felt like, okay, I can now give myself permission to really dig into this. Mm. And um, so a year later, it was it the, the the intensity of grief that allowed myself to feel and the work around it was probably even more than right after yeah. uh, uh, she passed away. And and I guess that brings me to you know an interesting question with you know maybe not so much with alcohol and drugs, but maybe. Um, the more subtle emotional addictions mm-hmm. um, of, you know, are we getting our needs met? So like a porn addiction, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, this is not a blaming a man or a woman in a relationship or, or a partner in a relationship, but like, I, I kind of feel like, you know, if, if our needs are getting met in a way that is satisfying to us, um, then that, the need to get that from outside lessons or, or, you know, if I drink to numb, you know, my needs aren't getting met 
because I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling the thing I need to feel or people that are addicted to drama. Like, Mm -hmm. is it, you know, they're, is it because they thrive in drama and their need to be needed? We see that all the time in the church. People create problems because they're really good in a crisis right. and they need to be needed. Yeah. And so their need to be needed isn't getting met. And so they create the thing that they're, yeah. and again, I don't, I don't want to wow. make mm. that too. Like that's an, like that's a substance abuse issue, but the, you talk about the general addiction of us. We need these things. And I often wonder, well, if we're really in that, able to be in that healthy place where our needs are getting met or we're able to see them, we cannot make those patterns happen. Sounds good on paper. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're right. You're right. Un, un, unmet needs, un, un, unmet needs are, are, you know, we, we go to fill the void of the unmet need. And sometimes we do it with things that then we become addicted to. I don't, I don't necessarily I, I'll go to them and say, I don't think anyone sets out with the intention to be addicted to anything. They set out with the intention to fill a void, to meet an unmet need, um, as we've been as we've been saying, to to feel good, to and, and then we become hooked. So so what what got us to that place in the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and to deal and then then it becomes two separate issues. You know, addressing the original unmet need. Um, whatever it is, you know, and then, but then separate from that, now you've become addicted to the thing we're using to meet the unmet needs. So now we got to deal with that as well. So you end up having two issues and I don't think addiction ends until both are dealt with. Yes. And what about things that are just kind of like part of everyday life uh, that feel like they become addictions or when they're not there, we are struggling to know how to, how to adapt. Like I'm just thinking of um, technology, like our phones, maybe there's games or checking social media. Um, or for me, so, like listening to sports radio, like I can get in a routine where it's like, I need to listen to sports radio or I feel like I'm, you know, <laughs> I need a fix. I, I think it's all about degrees, but again, it's that it, it simply goes back to that again, adrenaline, sorry, endorphin rush we get from the things we like. And, and it's, it's a matter of degrees. You, you say that about your sports radio, but again, you know, if, if the radio station's been dead or something for a few days or a week yeah. or a month, you, you'd be okay. You'd be okay. It's okay to like things. It's okay to have preferences. Right. It's okay to, 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 to have things that you do that you love. Uh, yep. you, you know, I, I love NBA basketball is like the only sport that I am like a hundred percent all in. I'm going to say a hundred percent all in. Like I pay hundreds of dollars every year for NBA league pass. Wow. So those of you who don't know what league pass is, it's basically the NBA's way of shilling all this money from you and on your phone and on your TV, you have access to every single game that's being played all during the regular season. Okay. Right. I can't watch all of them at the same time. Okay, first of all. Second of all, I can't watch anytime I want because I got real life going on. But I'm I'm so into it that I pay every year knowing full well I probably won't watch half of what I've paid for. Right. But I do it anyways, right? Uh, yeah. Because, because yeah. I love and, and I enjoy this and I think it's okay to, to, to have loves, to have things that bring you joy and, and stuff like that when we start using these things to avoid. So now when I start saying to 
you know, my significant other, I got to watch this game because I'm avoiding having, you know, the deep, meaningful conversation or experience with you. Or I, well, I wouldn't say it like that. I'd, I'd frame it a little bit. I know, but I'm, I'm <laughs> just calling it like it is. Calling it like it is. Um, Sorry, so, I don't like you as much as I like my basketball right now. Right. So when we start using it as an avoidance for real and meaningful things, then we start to skirt the edge. I don't think of addiction, but again, we're using it inappropriately. Everything in moderation, even moderation. So that, that, that's what I would, would say to that. Yeah, I think, you know, so we gave up football last year. And we are a house that loves football. Right. And we really, it, and, in, and I wouldn't categorize this in addiction as much as I would, you know, kind of giving up things that give you life kind of, but, but it made us reflect on what it was that we truly did love about it, right? Like what, so even, and I'll say this, like when I gave up alcohol for a long time, um, I did three months because that's what they say um, it takes to, for if you really are addicted for it to truly leave your system, you know? Um, and so that's why I did three months. But um, I, when I went back, it was, it was that reflection of like, okay, what do I miss about this? You know, what, what is it that I like? Did I actually like the feeling of being drunk, which I actually don't like very much the actual really drunk feeling. Um, but I'm again, that ritual I missed the, the socialization I missed the, you know, um, the, you know, the, the, I guess what some people would call buzz, but for me, I'm a, I'm a high anxiety person and it takes that edge off a little bit. Like I do like that feeling. I'm yeah. not going to lie about that. I don't think that actually makes me an addict. Some people would say it does. It does just because I like that feeling. I'm not, I don't have to have it all the time. Um, but it, it's nice to let go for a little while and, and have that glass of wine or drink or, you know, whatever. But, um, and, you know, I'll be honest, every once in a while, you know, Derek and I went to see The Roots a couple of weeks ago. I, I had a lot of drinks. I got pretty drunk. I had a great time. <laughs> right. I did. I had a great time. Right. And it was over hours and hours and hours and, yep. you know, great music. And I was with my husband and we were walking everywhere and we had a hotel. And, you know, it's just one of those, like, it's okay to let go every once in a while. Yeah. But I don't have that chemical imbalance that tells me, I, I need to do that every day or I won't survive, you know, or, I, or that you can't stop yourself. If you say, I don't exactly. want to, cause I really do come to a point where I'm like, I've had enough. Like even on those nights I am like, right. yeah, you right. know, do you want one more? It's last call. I'm like, I really don't. I am. Ooh, I am done. <laughs> cause I want to remember this. I don't want to blackout. Thank you very much. Like yeah. I want to know what's going on. I w- and I don't have control. Like I want to be in control all the time issues, but, I don't want to black out and not know what happened, how I got home. Like, I don't think any, you know, that's not, that's not my desire. So um, in your experience, either of you, do you think that the church can be um, or other religious institution, synagogue, mosque, et cetera, are they very good at helping people in this um, world of being addicted and, should they be, or should this be like, we should offload it. And a lot of churches host AA meetings that, you know, groups that meet in their church space, but it's often, you know, may or may not be a ministry or effort of the church. It just happens to have a space for that group to meet. Are we better off letting others handle that? What do you think? Um, I, I think 
when it comes to addiction, it becomes a, a whole person experience, mind, body, and soul. And I think one of the things that the churches address and spiritual uh, institutions address is the soul slash spirit element of it. And, and again, I'm not referring to just the God centrism of it, but the idea of, of our true authentic self and getting in touch with that. Um, I think that's the power of spiritual community as well. And, and to be more direct, one of the things that people often tend to numb with their addictions is loneliness, right? They don't, so, so community is good. It's good for that. For sure. You know, uh, the idea of being um, empowered with with some other skills beyond the mental or the physical to say, you know, I can tap into this to help me be more decisive about what I take into my body or use to numb my pain or to teach us that, you know what, the pain that you're feeling and, and feeling it and processing it and moving through it. Um, so, so I think I, I, I do think they're side by side with, you know, groups like AA um, and stuff like that. Um, I think you're being very generous to the church. And, and I, I guess I want to talk about the church in general, maybe not our more progressive leaning churches. Well, I'm, I'm, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. I'm speaking are, from my own experience of the church. Yeah, I've exactly. been, you know, around. The, I think the church is extremely, we do not handle this well in terms of like, we condemn, we call it a demon and it's tempted by the devil. And, and we get into this, you need to have more self-control. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, and, and you lay on hand, which I'm not against laying on hands, like, but you lay on hands to be healed from this terrible affliction and, and yeah, you need to be healed from that terrible affliction, but like it comes through hard work and, and, you know, so we make, so religion makes rules, like just don't drink at all because it's, it's of the devil and, and don't do anything at all. Anyway. Yeah. And it can over spiritualize it. Right. When, as you said, there's a lot of other factors, there's chemical realities, there's family history, there's other trauma in my life or unhealthy things that I'm a part of that I'm coping for. And Hey, let's look at the whole, the whole picture and not just say, Hey, Satan's here. So we're going to, as you said, we're going to pray about it. You know, there may be a a spiritual component that's very real, but it's way too Mm -hmm. easy to just sort of um, offload it onto, uh, you know, a mythological. um, But I would, I mean, I would go, I would, so with substance abuse, like drugs and alcohol, I, I think there's a little, there's a lot more compassion there. I think when we get into sexual addiction stuff, the church is not there. We are, no. we are so not there at all. Yeah. And, and, and we have such a hang up about sex anyway, that we like, I just, I can't see it, it on the horizon even. Right. Like I, I can't see anything, but this, this you is, know. this is why, and we kind of talked about this, but I think it was like, Last time we had a show, maybe after we stopped recording or post-show, we talked a little bit about uh, Nadia Bolts, whatever, and the stuff she's doing right now. Her new book, I think, is called Shameless, and she's speaking specifically about church and sexuality. She came out and created about, you know, 
pornography in and of itself not a bad thing like anything else is how we use it it's about how we consume it it's about who is participating had a lot of things to say around that and i was very grateful for that uh-huh. Uh, yeah. statins mm. and and a lot of memory issues oh elaine uh-huh. pagels yeah. who wrote the gnostic yeah. gospels right so her latest book is is actually a memoir it's the first time she's written a memoir and she's talking about the um among other things the death of her uh very young son early on the death of her husband and stuff like that but um along the way you know she's speaking about when she wrote and published her her works and stuff and and this whole thing about the church's hang up around sexuality goes all the way back to misinterpretations of the creation story and about Adam and Eve and about, you know, wanted to blame women and, and seeing and seeing and and the men, the patriarchs seeing sex and desire or women rather as a scapegoat for human sexuality and desire. You know, if the women weren't around, we wouldn't feel the way we feel and therefore commit the sins that we commit. It's the women's fault and therefore sex is a bad thing. Right. It should only, you know, If be women would just stop purposes. wearing those damn yoga pants, then I could keep it right. fine, you know. You know, <laughs> exactly. I think the antidote for that is the men to wear the yoga pants so women can get, you know, a little bit aroused. Um, in, in Sweatpants but. do it for me, baby. I'm just telling you. To each their own. But no, but I, I mean, I, so as many, as many strides as maybe in the progressive church or even, you know, even in the middle of the road churches mm-hmm. that we've made about sexual orientation, which aren't, you know, we're still not able to talk about, we're not close to being able to talk about healthy sexuality, um, let alone porn, porn addiction, sexual addiction, um, getting needs met like we're not even close to being able to have that in conversation um we we did a i went to a i'm on the seminary um alum board for louisville seminary and we this was the topic kind of church and sex was the topic this year mm-hmm. and <laughs> one of the ministers brought up that in houston he he lives in houston they're trying to decide on a statute of whether or not to have um, these robotic, um, brothels where you actually, the sex dolls, the sex dolls, right. You go in and you have sex and brothels with these sex dolls. And there are many there. So there's issues with that. And it's, it was, I was sitting there thinking like, where's the church's place? Because if it's ethical issues on abuse of women, these brothels are actually a good thing, right? They don't exploit women. On the other hand, what they do is that these these robots have been formed to do things the actual human female body cannot do. So you could become, a man could become addicted to the pleasure that you get from one of these dolls that a human being could never, ever give you. So once again, robots putting humans out of work. Putting the humans out of work, right? So, but, so where's the line there? And... And I, I said this to a group of women at church and they looked at me like I had three heads. <laughs> and I, and I mean, I, I don't think they were necessarily as appalled as just, I was trying to think through it just from an ethical standpoint, Yeah. like right. in terms of justice and ethics on the church, where should we be on this? And they're just like, 
did, did you just say those words? Right. Like, <laughs> did you just say sex and did sex you just with the robots? Robots in church. Exactly. And I'm like, no, but this is real. This is really happening. Right. This is, this not is really not happening. Space this is Odyssey. Yeah, this is this has already happened. This has happened. This is happening. <laughs> it's not science fiction anymore. It's science fact. Because so, re, I mean, go backwards yeah. a little bit with in terms of porn. I mean, I know this thing isn't about porn, but like in terms of addiction, like you you get these unrealistic expectations, say from 16-year-old, 15, 16-year-old boys that are watching this, right. or even girls that are watching it, like this is what it's supposed to be like. And we're already seeing the effects of that. You know, it's kissing and oral sex. That's the next base now. And so porn's already having that impact on us. And the, the addiction is already taking place at 14, 15 years old. And so, you know, and I think the church is just absent and I don't even see how we can enter this conversation because we are so far behind. Indeed. Fair enough. Um, relatedly, that's why it's never good to um, introduce people to a, a good 12-year single malt scotch if you're trying to just get them to like whiskey because they get expectations. Most whiskey can't perform at that level. and so. Or to give your 16-year-old your son an iPhone X, for instance. You know. <laughs> you oh, oh, oh. I was waiting to see you with the first one. Wow. That up. Nice. Clink. Nails it. Cheers for you on that one. So I do um, like just to move on, Brian. I do think there are healthy addictions. I've been talking a lot, but I actually do think there are healthy addictions. Yeah, so that's the next the next shift here. Uh Gerald May was a psychiatrist. He wrote a book called Addiction and Grace that's uh, been pretty widely circulated. Um, also theologian. Um, and he said, Is there such a thing as a good attachment? We usually think of attachments as often uh, a negative thing. and is there such a thing as a positive addiction? So when you say, Shannon, you think they are, g- give me an example, because I was struggling with this one. So I think, um, so one, anything can be abused, right? But right. Um, if you, I, I think exercise, healthy eating, you know, I think there are ways now that in terms of a healthy way you know like i need exercise every day the people that need to go in the gym every day to help make themselves feel the way that we talk about coming home for a happy hour and opening a beer right they're it's the endorphin rush it's the good feeling it's they make them feel powerful i mean i'm not talking about like ocd or eating disorder or you know but i think that's a good healthy you know yeah, but that doesn't sound like addiction. For me, the word addiction and abuse are almost synonymous. When you're an addict, you're abusing this thing and you're abusing yourself. And good things can be used in that way. Exercise, oh, for sure. example, they have people, mm-hmm. again, who... Oh, you, absolutely. Right, right? So, yes. so for me, when we cross that line into the addiction part of it as in i can't not do this i am using this to numb you know real feelings real conversations um and 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 my and i start to get the withdrawal my life is void without this thing no matter what that thing is even if it's ostensibly a good thing like exercise or even you know i'm thinking of my own spiritual life meditation like ostensibly again once we start abusing the thing 
and it becomes an addiction route, it's not healthy anymore. So if, you know, if I'm, you know, meditation is a wonderful thing. I, I sometimes say you can't meditate too much, but again, if you start to use meditation to avoid, you know, the difficult conversations to avoid, um, um, doing other, the real things in life you need to get done. I didn't, I didn't pay my bills and I'm evicted because I met I decided to meditate right. so much. I didn't go to work or I right. meditated so much. I got to work late and lost my job. You know, th- then we've crossed the line. So I, I don't think there are positive addictions as we use the okay. word addiction. I think that's fair. I think so in order for, so for this quote, I would say, yes, there are healthy attachments, but there are not healthy addictions. Yes. Agree. So an attach, I can be attached to forgiveness, right? I can, I can, and gratitude and I can filter everything through that and for, you know, make that a a way of living. And that is a good, healthy attachment. Right. Um, And in that way, faith and even church can become healthy rituals and healthy attachments. But They can also become addictions. They can also become addiction. Like, and to me, a church addiction or a, a faith addiction looks like the, if I don't do, if I must do this in order to get to heaven, or I must do this, like that's a negative way of, of doing right. things in my opinion. Yeah. Or even, or even when I start using, using these spiritual tools and practices and knowledges, knowledges, knowledge, to to inflict pain on other people <laughs> to, right. to to you know to 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 criticize to condemn when when we cross when we start crossing that line sure. you know then then we we are yeah we get we get into some dangerous territory yeah i mean i i think i i'll agree with how how we've uh uh delineated those things that because there are things that we can be attached to that are positive and, and are healthy. And, and, and I guess it's that enjoyment versus can't live without maybe is a, is a line. Um, so there are a lot of, of positive lines. things we can be attached to. Yeah. But I, I like the, the shift that you made that addiction maybe is that thing where, where it become, where you're abusing it and it has harmful consequences on yourself and others uh, because then it's no longer good, right? Then it, by, by definition, it's, it's now unhealthy, with negative ramifications for all involved. Yes. Although let's, let's come up with a hypothetical. Let's say you live by yourself, like in a cabin uh, out in the woods and there's no humans around for 150 miles. Um, Is, is, can you have an addiction there that's only hurting you and doesn't hurt others, but who cares? Cause it's, you're not, you've removed yourself from other people's lives. Is it better than to, is it more okay, I guess, again, to be addicted? Well, then? I mean, it's again, if you're if you get to the point where you're doing the thing so much and so attached to it that it's causing harm to yourself, then no, yeah. that's that's not good either, you know. Uh, so, but what? So yeah. yeah, but it, again, it's that you know. Well, maybe I'm choosing this, but then is it an addiction if you're choosing it? Because it, we've talked about the chemical reality that oftentimes addiction is beyond one's control to choose so go back to the things like what shannon said earlier and what we've been saying if we if we are powerless to these things what this is what you know programs talk about when we realize we're powerless to this thing like we can't stop it of our own free will that we realize this thing has to be present in our life and we start choosing it over you know 
ourselves, over loved ones, over other healthy behaviors, then whether we buy ourselves or we in a crowd of, you know, a thousand people, then no, it's not, it's not good. It's a good sign that if you need to be, you know, 200 miles away from any other human being to do the thing you enjoy, that it's no longer healthy. <laughs> right. If you're hurting so many people that you live in the woods by yourself right. in order to avoid hurting anyone, then maybe we do have a problem. Just let me be. Right. Exactly. I mean, now some people just want to live in the woods by themselves yeah. and that's yeah. fine. You know, like for whatever. sure. For sure. Um, nothing, nothing wrong with a four day meditation retreat by yourself in a cabin in the woods. Nothing absolutely. wrong with that. No, 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 no. And I, I mean, I've had a, I had a woman in the church. Um, she has some chronic illnesses and she has actually stood up and talked about how, you know, for years before, I mean, it's not like doctors didn't know what opioids could do, but she was on a prescribed opioid, you know, ongoing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when, when in the last, I think it was about two years ago, her doctor said, we really need to switch you off of this. Mm -hmm. You know, this is not good for you to be on long-term. And, and she genuinely went through a lot of withdrawal symptoms and had a lot of issues. And, you know, again, she was under medical supervision. She, she's, you know, a mom, she's got like, yeah normal life and whatever. And she really talked about what it was like going through those withdrawal symptoms. She was never an addict, you know, she didn't abuse it. She didn't abuse her prescription drugs, but you know, these are there. I think that's the other side of all of this is to talk about, you know, you can become, um, you can abuse something because of it's like, this is where I would put myself in coffee, right? Like, I've put a stimulant into my body that has been making me per, like want sure. it more. Right. There is a, sure, like, yeah. so when I go to Cuba um, for a week, I, we eat pure, right. There's no, there's no corn syrup in Cuba. It's pure sugar. I, I don't know. Ogan, do you have this in, in when you go to Barbados, right? Like there's no, Oh yeah. yeah. And I can, I can tell in my body how that fake sugar has affected my body. Mm. And I, I do actually have sugar withdrawal symptoms, even though I'm eating more actual sugar than I've eaten in years, right? Because right. everything there is sweet. I've had so much sugar, but my body goes through that withdrawal. So I think, you know, there's those things that like the chemical substances that we eat as Americans and, oh, yeah. you know, McDonald's literally puts into their food to make us crave it more and carbs and everything else. Okay, and you, leave those, you leave McDonald's alone. All right. I'll leave McDonald's I do, alone. I do. I do wonder if coffee is that is that exception, right? I think uh, Shannon, our families need us to be addicted to coffee or, or we're just <laughs> oh. nice people to be around. <laughs> It is the most, I mean, it is. In America, it is the most acceptable addiction yeah. there is. If y'all want to get off, if y'all want to get off the coffee, go take that retreat in the woods for four days. We, no. Nobody wants to be around you while you're going through those withdrawals. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody wants to be around me. Though. But again, ostensibly coffee, a healthy thing, like the, the health benefits yeah. of coffee. There are health benefits. Well documented. I was going to say, that's the other side is when we're talking about like, well, if it starts to help your, you know, like hurt yourself. Well, I do tons of things that I'm not addicted to that hurt my health. Like that hurt me, you know, like I eat fried foods and I, you know, like right, yeah. I, I drive a car, which is bad for my health, you know, yeah. like, and bad for the environment. So again, I just want to, I stress this, you know, if, if you, Ogan and I have talked a lot about this, but if you think you have a substance abuse problem, like, this, this is a conversation to have with a professional. Um, 
Oh yeah. You know, and getting back to the church part, like I've had people who are addicts that come through the door that are trying to get clean and they, they come to me for help and, and they come to the congregation for help. And I'll be honest, I have a very clear and frank conversation, not only with them, but with the congregation to say, we can pray for you. We can be here for you spiritually. You know, we can support you in this, but I am not a substance abuse therapist. Like you need to work your program. You know, we, so I mean, this was a while ago, but we can come alongside you as a church, but we are not equipped for this. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's no, there's no one, there's no one, one avenue for, for healing or recovery. You, you gotta, you gotta take it from different angles. The, the, the church uh, uh, and a good church is there to remind you of your spiritual resources that you have them, you can mm-hmm. use them. But in addition to things right. like, you know, 12 steps in addition to a good therapist in a, you know, right. In addition take a multi- to your, your groups of other of peers that are going exactly. through the same thing you are. Yeah, exactly. And your sponsor and everybody else. Uh-huh. Right. If you just, if you are just looking for, you know, laying on a hands and a rebuking of the demon of alcohol to cure you, then no, it's not, that's not, it's not going to work. Not so, gonna happen. So right. that's and that's the part that I'm, you know, you know, and there are no demons, but that's a whole other show. That's a whole other show. Ooh, there are no demons. Segue into our next episode. I don't know. No, 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 no demons. No. Well, um, wow. Uh, <laughs> Alrighty then. Any good to know. So, any any final? I think we're kind of moving towards our our time here. And any any final thoughts on uh, addiction, on attachment, on finding maybe healthy boundaries or balance or or help. Um, well, I, I'd say this: uh, anything in and of itself is neither good nor bad. It's 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 one the meaning we give to it, and how much we surrender our power to it. Mm. Uh, that crosses that line between whether it becomes an addiction or whether it doesn't become an addiction. Um, and I know, like society and culture, wants to. Um, and even our churches want to label things as this is bad or this is good. And, and I just say, you know, it's, it's, it's about the meaning. If you, if you look at history, things that we consider bad now were once good, Um, you know, and, and (laughs) please don't start sending the emails. Yes. I know there are some things that are deal breakers. (laughs) Opioids were genuinely like passed around and bought in a drugstore. You know, right. You buy cocaine on a regular basis. (laughs) Exactly. So again, I I know there, but I'm just, you know, broad, big picture, broad strokes. Um, You you know, don't tell a person drinking alcohol or sex or, you know, these things, these are bad for you. And these are sins. No, they, they, for me, the sin is, the sin is when we surrender our power to them and we surrender our higher power to them. And we let them overtake our lives. For me, that's the sin right there. Um, my last word is just, um, so obviously if you need to, there are NA meetings, AA meetings all around. There are Al-Anon meetings for people who are partnered or maybe grew up with. Yes, um, those are good. Those are good. Those are really good. But if you need help right now, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration is 1-800-662-4357. So give them a call if you need help. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. Maybe my final word would be to uh, any clergy 
friends listening because I think uh, being an elite, being a leader, being the spotlight can be lonely and uh, can be hard, and you might find yourself coping in unhealthy ways, and you might be ashamed to admit it, and you might not know where to reach out for help. But be honest with yourself, and um, you know, get help because you're not going to help others if not. So maybe that's my final word. Absolutely. So thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. You can connect and spread the word on social media, post an episode to Facebook, retweet us. And of course, you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. You can rate us in any of those places. In fact, I was on uh, iTunes earlier, and I think I saw we've gotten like six uh, five-star or four-plus, mostly five-star reviews. So keep them coming. Let's keep those going. And of course, you can watch us anytime on YouTube or Instagram, IGTV. And if you'd like to create a forum for people to come together, talk about different ideas over a good beverage, uh, you can um, check out the directory at pubtheology.com or find some resources to get a group off the ground. And please don't forget to join our growing list of supporters at Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash pubtheologylive to get started. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. So so the one thing we, we touched on just a little bit, the, the tech addiction, you know, and social media addiction and how, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but this is like now a classification in the latest like DSM-4. Uh, manual of you know disorders it's it's a it's like a legit thing now and they are i'm not you know they're, they're, they're they're like camps and retreat centers where people go for detox uh from from their addictions and things uh to you know the cell phone the social media um yeah it's 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 mm-hmm. a thing i'll do like a you know a screen free weekend every few months or something mm-hmm. But but even right now, as you mentioned, taking that length of time, and I'm considering, and I was considering if I could do that, I started to feel the pangs of anxiety. Right. Well, and that's the thing. What am I going to miss? So so this is where the needs getting met. This is right, where exactly. right. What so I'm gonna. What am I going to miss? It's the fear. You know, of I don't want to be left out. Yes. I'm missing out. Yeah. Um, and the validation. The validation is huge. Ooh, yep. This should be let's our next not, episode. We should call let's our Let's not lie about the validation. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, let's talk about that because okay. those are those are genuinely the issues.